HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meet and 3, we find out how Brexit could be changing the way that Brits eat. If you're not getting your food from the European Union, where Britain gets 30% directly, well, where are you going to get it from? As I put very succinctly, bye-bye fresh peaches from Italy, hello tinned peaches from Florida. Bye-bye fresh oranges, hello tinned oranges. Bye-bye free-range beef, hello hormone-injected beef. Tune in to hear about the UK's struggle to stabilize its food system on Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, here with my co-hosts, Hannah Forden and Dylan Hoyer. It's like very five o'clock. It's like the most five o'clock it's ever been. I feel that. I have been doing financial things today, and it's not my strong suit, and usually I just make radio. Man, I'm ready for wine. You're a champion. <laughs> You've earned your rosé. Just got to keep, keep the things moving along at Heritage Radio Network, you know? Dylan, how was your day? Um, my day was good. I'm definitely happy that happy hour is taking place at 5 p.m. today because <laughs> earlier this week we did a little pre-record at 11 a.m. with a distiller and there was some tasting. There was some and tasting. And it was, it was a little bit alarming. So <laughs> I, I feel, I feel happy to be here right now at this moment Timing in time. is everything. <laughs> is that what you're saying? When it comes to booze. Yeah. Timing is everything. But Precisely. also occasionally bourbon is the breakfast of champions. Uh, Very occasionally. There you go. Um, let's have, um, in honor of Neil, our good friend Neil, who always says we should talk about what we're drinking on Happy Hour Hi, more Neil. often. We are drinking a bubbly pink rosé today um, at Roberta's because it's almost Valentine's Day. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Oh, Neil, won't you be my Valentine? Will you be my Valentine? My favorite rollerblading man. Neil, hope everything's going well for you in California. Um, we were chatting earlier this week about white grapefruit and other tiki things. And he was saying that he was suggesting that Cooking Issue should do an ad-free episode. And I said, absolutely not. 
We need those ads. We got to make money. Yeah, this, we got to support the radio. <laughs> he said we should do a call a callathon. I was like, that sounds fun, but also maybe too retro. And someone would have to answer the phone. Yeah, which is too much. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. I used to record a live radio show from one a.m. to two a.m. And you get some weird calls. That's the best time. (laughs) I did get calls, and they were weird. (laughs) I'm just impressed that you could stay awake. (laughs) I would be like, and now you will listen to the sounds of me snoring. It was me ranting about feminist politics in the middle of the night. Do you you have any of that on tape? Because I would listen (laughs) to that now. Um, It's all online. Yeah. Look it up. Bitchin'. It's on Mixcloud. It's amazing. Can we do like a super cut of Dylan's best rants? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. It's We're gonna, new segment of happy hour. Dylan's best rants. Get ready. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to our engineer, Jess Kreinchich. Hey, Jess. Hey, yo. She's wearing a fabulous sweater that she made herself. And oh, I'm so jealous. You can't see it because it's radio, but just trust us on this. It's dope. Yeah, despite not being a visual medium, we really keep our sartorial choices up there. Go, Jess. <laughs> Um, our guest today, our guest of honor, um, has brought us some treats, and it's very apropos of Valentine's Day. Our guest is Ben Kennard from Five North Chocolates. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So we're going to hear all about the chocolate and how you started this business. It's a very interesting story um, in just a minute. But first, we have a few announcements we want to make. Um, Dylan, we talked recently about the Castle Cookoff, one of Jimmy Carboni's fabulous events, but there's another one coming up. Tell it's us all about true. it. Bowl of Zol. It's the first of its kind, the first year that it's happening. It's curated by a Mezcal importer, Eric Torrin of Fidencio Spirits, and the owner of La Loncheria, cookbook author of Made in Mexico, Danny Menya. And there's going to be 50-plus bottles of Mezcal to be tasting from, from some great importers and some very top Mexican chefs making pozole. So it's on February 29th in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, on Saturday afternoon. And you can get your tickets at www.bowlofzole.com. Love it. As with cassoulet, pozole is the perfect winter dish. And another shout-out to learn more about Pozole and Mezcal on this event. You can listen to the Beer Sessions radio from this week, which features some of the event curators, a writer from Grub Street Magazine, all talking about Pozole and Mezcal. Will it be a competition like the, or like a cook-off style, like the Castle cook-off was? It won't be a competition. Okay. Just pure, pure enjoyment. Just I for the that. love of Pozole. Exactly. I can't wait. All Pozoles are created equal. Yeah. Um, and another thing in upcoming events that we are excited about, um, I think it's, is this our fifth year? I, I was just counting the number of folders in, in Google Drive today. Fifth. I believe it's the fifth year. So yeah, for our fifth year, HRN is heading down to Charleston Wine and Food, and we are so excited. Um, we have another Jam Pack Weekend, three days of live interviews with the best and the brightest of southern cuisine and and really from all over the world but we're really excited to see all of our friends down there um it's an incredible festival if any of you are planning to go to charleston or have been thinking about going to charleston or live in charleston and want to have a fabulous weekend full of delicious bites and wine and sunshine and great people you should check out their lineup um they're schedule is selling out quickly and there are a lot of amazing events so you don't want to miss out on that we will be in the culinary village come say hello to us and if you can't make it you can listen live 
on our website um, the weekend of Charleston Wine and Food, which is March 6th through 8th. Uh, yeah. Can't also, wait. if you live in Charleston or are going to be in town for the festival, we're throwing a little party. So uh, send us a DM and we'll give you the details. Yeah, it's, it's an invite only. Invite only. But we'll invite you. Don't worry. We're not that <laughs> exclusive. We like everybody. Um, the last thing we want to give a shout out to is um, there's an exciting event coming up in March. So one of our shows that you might be, maybe are familiar with is Feast Meets West. And there are more than 80 episodes of that podcast within, <coughs> featuring inspiring chefs, restaurateurs, and creators from the Asian food community in New York and beyond. And they're going to be hosting their first Feast Meets West live panel and social event on March 12th. All-star speakers and game changers, including um, um, Amelie King of Mala Project, Dennis Nagao of DND, Lian Lian of Bricolage, and Lucas Sen of Gen Z Kitchen. The conversation will explore Asian-American identity in food, and tastings from each of the panelists' restaurants will be served, along with wine and organic hard seltzer options. And you can find tickets by searching for Feast Meets West on Eventbrite. Can't wait. Don't. Don't. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have a few headlines. News. Music. Okay. So this week on In the Sauce, host Allie Kane spoke with Bill Krillman, who is the founder of Spindrift, America's first sparkling water main with real squeezed fruit, which I'm actually very fond of. I like Spindrift, too. Yeah, it's really good. And I love their packaging. Um, Spindrift is available in 10,000 stores across the U.S., and their sales have grown 1,000% over the last 36 months. That's insane. Um, And it's made them one of... I don't know what Ink Magazine. Maybe it's Time Ink. Maybe it's just mm, Ink Magazine. It is. Okay. I, did. I had looked it up. This I'm just week. ignorant. Yeah. Um, one of Ink Magazine's fastest growing companies. Uh, and on the episode of In the Sauce, Bill explains his governing principle, which is simplify to amplify. Interesting. On Friday, this is a teaser. Tomorrow, it's Valentine's Day. Keep an eye out for the newest episode of Meat in Three. We're looking into the weirder, darker side of Valentine's Day. To learn more about the landscape of dairy, the painful history of sugar, ethical chocolate bars, and a carnivore's alternative to those heart-shaped boxes, which is, uh, I'm just going to tease it. I have a story about a different type of Valentine's Day heart. Tune in. Check it out. It's going to be such a good episode. Like, stop what you're doing and subscribe to me in three (laughs) so you don't miss it. Yes. Okay, one more headline for you. This week on... Life's Banquet. It was a truly bonkers episode. Zara and Nicole took a deep dive into the often ridiculous stories where food and political campaigns intersect. Timely. They talk about how on earth one might eat a salad with a comb, cottage cheese, jelly beans, and a whole lot of corn dogs. You do not want to miss it. It's primary season. Get ready. (laughs) It's the primary content that you're missing. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. What was the what was the food item that Pete Buttigieg was eating? A cinnamon. Yes, a cinnamon roll, but he was eating like a, you like might a hot think wing. It looked like a ch- you might think it was a chicken wing if you saw the photo, but it was indeed a cinnamon. <laughs> Incorrect. And he was like, kind of like, I don't know, like has his nose wrinkled, like he's really going like in a for little it. mouse. It's a it's a piece of bread. Maybe just don't ever like eat on camera if you're running for public office. It doesn't seem to serve anyone except for Obama because he's yeah. like, I'll just hang out with Anthony Bourdain. And I'll he, have like a Hawaiian ice. Yeah. Yeah. He has his own weird food habits though. You guys heard about the seven almonds? 
Obama has a weird. Oh yeah, yes. He used to, he would eat seven almonds every night, no more, no less. And a pan- yes, this huh. was a weird food habit of his. I mean, directly from okay. Michelle. Interesting. All healthy. A bedtime <laughs> Seven's like a lucky number. Let's hmm. explore this. We'll have to come back to <laughs> it. Have you heard of Chrissy Teigen's bedtime snack? No. I want to know. She takes two hard-boiled eggs to bed with her. <laughs> and oh! eats them in bed. That is bizarre. And she's like, I know that it's weird, but it's it works. What a smell to introduce works to the bedroom. <laughs> I mean... I'll only eat a hard-boiled egg if I have, like, everything Big Ol' Spice nearby. And, and we're in a ventilated room. It's, <laughs> like, really important. <laughs> Well, uh, shout out to intern Ruby, who is famous for putting a hard-boiled egg onto boil and then taking a shower. <laughs> it's like extra, extra hard-boiled. Yeah. That's a dangerous habit. It like gets the green, green ring around the yolk. You, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Um, okay, let's talk about something right, more Call pleasant, in and let like us know chocolate. how you like your boiled egg. <laughs> Soft, jammy, hard-boiled. Okay. Let's no, move on to chocolate. Never mind. Okay, so Ben. The first thing that, like, piques my interest here is how you started this company. What I'm reading is you were 21 and you won a Shark Tank-like competition. Explain. That's pretty good. Elaborate. (laughs) Elaborate. Uh, It took a little bit longer than just, you know, being a 21-year-old in my college dorm room and then winning a competition. But I did start in my dorm room um, with with, uh, just a few ingredients on the stove, making a big old mess. Uh, My roommate loved it. (laughs) And... um, yeah, I started testing some recipes for... I actually started in hard candy, believe it or not. Mm. So the idea was to make healthy candy. And uh, I made these disgusting flavored hard lollipops that did not come out well at all. Uh, luckily, I had some really honest friends to tell me. What sort of disgusting flavors did you test well, out? So they weren't disgusting flavors, but they certainly tasted disgusting. Oh. <laughs> so they were like lemon and orange and kind of different fruit. I think we did like a maple mm. sugar one. Mm. Um, and they were good, but they were too sugary and they tasted weird. Uh, it just wasn't meant to be. So uh, quickly shifted my focus to something that was foolproof, uh, chocolate. And uh, yeah, I would say it was probably about maybe a year and a half in that we won uh, a competition out on Long Island on the East End uh, with an organization called I Hamptons. Every year they host uh, the Riptide Sink or Swim event. Mm. And they they essentially structure it just like a Shark Tank event. Um, and we ended up winning the second place prize, which was $10,000. And then, so what did you do when you got that first, like sort of cash infusion through that contest? Yeah. You know, we did two things that were kind of really pressing. Um, we had to move to a co-packer and the two things that we needed to do that were custom molds that could actually work with their machinery and a printed package that could fit through, uh, their packaging machines so that it wasn't being done by hand like it was. Uh, previously. So um, those two things we were able to accomplish with uh, with that investment. And when you say we, who are you working with on this project? <laughs> you know, Dylan, I get that question all the time because I do always say we. It's the it's royal always we. Always in us. It's the <laughs> royal we. Um, so it is, you know, it's me. It's my advisors. It's my mentors. It's our accounts. It's the stories. It's the stores that carry us. It's the people who buy our product. It's the people who eat our product. And of course, it's our co-packer too. You know, they're not necessarily our direct employees, but they are very much part of our team. I'm always interested in co-packing and like that transition. What is it like day to day working with a co-packer? Because, you know, part of it is then like some, a lot of things are then out of your hands directly. And there has to, I'm sure be a lot of trust in that relationship. 
what's what's that relationship like? Yeah, Kat, you know, it is exactly that. It's a relationship because uh, you are entrusting someone else with uh, your name and your brand and um, even a safety issue of, of having a food product, too. So you really need to know who you're working with. Uh, luckily for us, our co-packer, I would say, is better at producing chocolate than we ever were or than I ever was in a commercial kitchen with a hairnet on. <laughs> so... Um, it's been it, it was a hard transition because you know we had to scale much more quickly to their terms so that we could produce at a quantity that that they were actually would make it worth it for them um, but it was a worth it transition because now we can you know partner with bigger people and, and actually grow the company I'm curious in this competition if it was all food and either way sort of like how did you stand out even from such an early phase in your company mm. You know, I don't. I think we may have been the only food company. Although in the recent years, a lot more food has been popping up, so much so that it be, has become a category in the competition. Oh. Um, but I think for my year, I want to say I was the only food company. Um, the others were, you know, very tech focused, and um, there was some like electrical products as well. Um, what helped us stand out? You know, I think it really does come down to the pitch. It's you know, it's when you have ten minutes to sell who you are and what you're doing and really create and paint a vision for that. And if you can do that, if you can convince a panel of judges that you have the vision and you're the right person to be taking it on, um, they're going to believe you. And what's the vision? Let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the vision is to um, really create a line of guiltless indulgences that change the world. Uh, So we're starting small with one line of snacking chocolates. Um, but the vision really could expand to any and everything that we eat every day. Um, so many things that we do eat have some kind of, uh, dark side to them. There's a lot of guilt associated with food, whether it be in the supply chain or in the ingredients that you're consuming for yourself. And I didn't like that idea because we all the time and it's supposed to bring joy. So I want to create something that's guiltless and maybe take it beyond chocolate. Nice. So we met you through our friend Steve Ga- Stephen Garibald at TD Bank. Hey, Stephen. How do you, so? How do you know him? And then we'll we'll get into sort of the um, the the LGBT like label that you have on. Sure. You. Yeah. So I met Stephen through the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce, uh, New York affiliate chamber, and um, Stephen's great. He is super well connected, and um, when he told me about the Heritage Radio Network's gala happening um, here in Brooklyn, I thought it would be really cool to go. So he said he had an extra ticket and sure enough, he brought me and I got to taste and see so many cool things um, happening right here in New York. Um, So I met Stephen through, it's called NGLCC. um, And that is an organization I've been a part of for about a year and a half now. Uh, I decided to join the moment I came out in business because I didn't know uh, what that even really meant or what that looked like. It was kind of a scary landscape for me. Uh, And so when I did that, kind of my knee-jerk reaction was, um, okay, this is a really cool organization doing amazing things in visibility for LGBTQ people and entrepreneurs um, around the world. And how do I get to amplify that message in what I do? And my reaction was to stamp that label on everything that we have, our website, our business cards, and of course, the new package that we were printing. Cool. And what sort of connections has like being a part of a a community like that made for you? I'm sure that it's a great way to meet other entrepreneurs here in the city and share ideas and what does that look like? Absolutely. You know, it's 
it's such a cool group of people because not only is it, you know, great for networking and great for business and, um, you know, you get a lot of valuable resources out of the community, but it is so much more than that because these are real people and um, you've maybe shared similar challenges in life and um, it becomes a real community of friends that you actually enjoy spending time with and it doesn't feel like work when you're uh, with them at a quote unquote work event. Yeah, when you're running a small business, like you need other friends who are in the weeds with you, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the only way to get through it. I'm curious, how did you um, come up with the name? What does Five North mean to you? Yeah, so five degrees north of the equator is where West Africa lies, and that's where two-thirds of the world's cacao is grown. Um, but it's also home to most of the child and slave labor that the cacao supply chain experiences. So for me, uh, naming the company and the brand Five North was really about um, kind of making it an homage to cacao, the fruit that makes chocolate possible and really respecting that, but also where it comes from and the people who make it possible. So we are, uh, we only source fair trade certified cacao. Uh, and doing that really does ensure that um, there's no slave labor happening on the ground and that people are really given a chance to invest back in their communities and, um, and that there's a future for cacao. The scary thing is, is that um, you know, as demand for cacao increases, the supply is decreasing. And that's because uh, the next generation of farmers doesn't see a future in the industry of cacao uh, because of how, you know, really poorly um, they're treated along the supply chain. So uh, I think it's more important today that we invest back into the community and make sure that we have a future for chocolate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jess, actually, who's engineering the show, was working on a story about chocolate for our upcoming Valentine's Day episode of Meet and Three, um, and and she spoke with our friends at Fine and Raw that are just around the corner, and and they also do their best to source equitable chocolate and to make it a sustainable product. Um, how did you find the people you wanted to work with? Over, I mean, you're very far away. Like, have you traveled to where your cacao is being grown? Like, where do you start? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's I think that's the beauty of being so small. So um, at such a small stage we can't work directly with farmers. It would be impossible. Um, and it would also be pretty unfair to the farmers not giving them a stable, regular, monthly or biannual order of, of tons of cacao that are being shipped to the U.S. So luckily, we work directly with distributors based here in the U.S. who really have a handle on the crazy supply chain that is cacao. Um, so luckily for us, that's how we operate when we're big enough. I hope we can work directly with farmers. I think that'd be really cool because um, then we could share even more stories mm -hmm. about the farmers on the ground. Um, I did actually visit, though, uh, cacao farmers in Ecuador. So I was able to see, you know, how that actually works on the ground um, and really hear, like, authentic, deep stories about these people, not only their, how their lives are affected by cacao, but just by the global marketplace in general. Mm. So let's take a quick a quick break, and we'll open some of these packages and, and get to try some of Ben's chocolate, um, along with our bubbly rosé. We'll see how the, the pairings go. I'm excited. I have a feeling it's going to be fab. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we'll ask a couple more questions. And then, um, Ben, I don't know if we warned you, but we have a little bit of trivia for you at the end of the Oof, show. Okay. Don't, We're all don't worry. Dangerous. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll be right back. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's. A super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. 
Thank you, Roberta's. Oh, it's always lovely to hear Brandon Hoy's voice yelling about how much he loves heritage. That's so nice. Okay, so we're back with Ben Kennard from Five North Chocolate, and we now are going to crack into some of these beautiful packages. And, yeah, we see um, it's a nice little cross-section of the chocolate that shows you what sort of, what other snacks are in there or whatever food's in there. I'm holding the sea salt, sea salt pistachio. Ben, why did you decide to go the snacking chocolate route? You know, I think... From the very beginning, I was always kind of anti-bar. You know, bar chocolate, as much as we love chocolate, bar chocolate is messy. And you always have to kind of rip open the package, break the pieces. It gets messy. It melts on your fingers. Nobody likes it. you got to break them into bite-sized pieces anyway. So I wanted to create um, the perfect, most adorable cube-shaped piece I could. And so the pieces that you're actually holding right now are... 100% 100% custom made to my specifications. So I spent, honestly, probably a couple of weeks um, measuring out the exact proportion of chocolate that would make the perfect bite. Um, perfect. So I, it uh, was perfect. <laughs> Actually, perfect. Like I just, I just put one of the cinnamon almond ones in my mouth, and it, it's so delicious. And we were just talking about bedtime snacks. My nightly bedtime snack is a piece of chocolate. And my comforter cover will tell you that, yeah, breaking a bar of chocolate is so <laughs> messy. So relatable. And you know what's hard to wash out of your sheets? Chocolate. Melted chocolate. Oh, <laughs> my actually God. Actually perfect. No, this is delicious. So I'm also reading, so the sweet and savory sea salt and pistachio is your best seller. 100%. That's, nice. I think that's a crowd pleaser. Um, people love pistachios. People love Nutty chocolate, people love salty things, and when you have a sweet and salty mm. combination, you can't really go wrong there. I will say, mm. even though that's our bestseller, the one you're tasting now, Kat, our cinnamon almond, is my personal favorite. Really good. That kind one, of wintry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that warm. was that was actually a seasonal flavor that we tried out and decided to keep on. Mmm, that's delicious. Well, I was lucky enough to try the goji berry first. Ooh, and I am a big fan. Mm. So that one is kind a really of, nice balance. Of yeah. Fruitiness. Fruity tart. That one's like Mm -hmm. our chocolate-covered raisin, uh, but just a a much more elevated version of it. Oh, love it. I really like it. I don't want to get too technical, but as someone who is sort of ignorant to the process of making chocolate, texture is so important. And some chocolate brands, it's a little bit flakier. Some, it's creamier. Can you talk about, like, kind of, you were talking about that you, you made the right portion size for one bite. How do you find the perfect texture in chocolate? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it also comes down to the inclusions you have. Because when you have plain chocolate, mm-hmm. you're already off to a better start. Because it's, I mean, it can be silkier and smoother without the interruption of a crunchy nut or, or something else. Or a chewy piece of goji berry. Um, so, you know, this comes back to how we source our ingredients and making sure that we worked with people who know what the heck they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, it, and then it comes down to tempering the chocolate appropriately. Um, because if you don't do that right, the consistency and the texture becomes really kind of like it melts too quickly and uh, you can really taste it in your tongue and it doesn't quite feel like how chocolate really should. Mm-hmm. What are some other flavors you've played around with, like seasonal flavors or things yeah. you're experimenting with? We've done, I think over the course of our history, we've done about seven different flavors in total. These are the three that we've stuck with for now. Um, we have also done a coconut, Ooh. a coffee, mm. a chia seed, which was just kind of crunchy and flavorless. 
Um, and we even did a mushroom flavor mm, for yeah. a mushroom company once who cool. wanted, yeah, they wanted like a chocolate giveaway for one of their events. So we experimented with that and it was pretty fun. Was it, was it salty? Did you get like an umami kick? Like I would say more like an earthy umami kick. Interesting. Yeah, but it did. It wasn't very distinct. It was very hard to like tell. Yeah. Exactly what you were tasting. I love mushrooms, but like they, it would be hard for them to stand up against chocolate. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, it's like have you ever had the the mushroom co- coffee? Yeah, like mushroom teas. Or yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. It's a, I guess it kind of is a similar flavor profile if yeah. you think about it, but it's an acquired taste. Yeah. yeah. If there were no restrictions on sort of having to fit this into a snackable bite and consider cost and all that, what would be like your dream flavor to make? Oof. Um, I think something with cashews. Mm. That I mean, that's probably going to be next. I have to say one of my favorite chocolate companies is Hue chocolate um and they make a delicious i think it's i want to say it's cashew butter and like jelly mm. so it's kind of like Ooh. a pb and j chocolate yum. bar yum and it's so good so i want to i definitely want to do something with cashews i think their cashews are like the, one of the most underrated nuts um i love cashews too yeah so maybe that's next cool yeah. nice um okay last question for you i think i see that you gave a ted talk once what was it about and how was that experience wow um you know, that was in college, and that was actually before chocolate, uh, <laughs> but I talked about fair trade. So my background really is in fair trade. I worked in fair trade retail and wholesale. I've worked for the World Fair Trade Organization, Fair Trade Campaigns, Fair Trade USA. Um, you name it, I've done it in fair trade. So I decided to give a, a TED Talk at my university um, on fair trade and teaching people about what it really is, how it works, and, and why we should you know be a little bit more aware about the products that we're buying every day. So, yeah. What was it that got you started on that on that track? Uh, I was a young kid, and my uncle opened a fair trade retail store, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was for me. It was like a playground as a kid. I got to sell to customers, talk to customers, restock shelves, barcode things. Like it was the coolest thing to me. Like having real hands-on experience in business. Mm. Um, and aside from that, I got to learn about this cool way of of improving your supply chain through something like fair trade. And from there, I just decided to take it to college and share it with other students and start a campaign and club on campus and um, started interning with companies and working for them and just learning more and more and more about it. When I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I knew that I wanted to incorporate this into whatever it might be that I was doing. Nice. Where did you go to school? Uh, SUNY Geneseo cool. in Western New York. Cool. Awesome. Um, Okay, actual last question is, before we get into trivia, um, where can people find the Five North Chocolates, and both in stores and online? Great question, Kat. So you can, of course, you know, it's 2020. You can find us online at fivenorthchocolate.com, all spelled out. Um, And then on our website, you can also find our store locator. So we are available in a few grocery stores on Long Island and in New York, um, a bunch of small specialty gift and gourmet food stores, couple of hotel mini bars um and now we're popping up at some conferences and events as well as a, a giveaway treat so nice. yeah. uh the website one more time five north chocolate.com f-i-v-e-n-o-r-t-h chocolate.com awesome uh, okay so now we have a little bit of trivia and jess wrote this trivia today thank you jess and dylan and hannah have both not seen the answers i think i have not so you I have, have not. you have a 
support team. Yeah. We're here for you, Ben. All right. So our <laughs> trivia theme today is what else? Valentine's Day. Woo! <laughs> okay. The first question is from UsefulTrivia.com. What animal will the Bronx Zoo let you name after your lover on Valentine's Day? He knows. I just saw. I just read an article about this. My friend posted it because they'll feed it to, um, they'll feed it to like a lion or something because you can name it after your ex, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my God! What but is what animal? animal is it? Is it like a rat? No, it's think smaller. I think you're on the wrong track with a lion, but they might feed it to say like a snake or Maybe a lizard, it's an insect or something. Yeah, a grasshopper. I'm think not, like if mouse. you're naming it after your ex, like what would be the worst? Oh, oh it's on the tip of my tongue. A cockroach. A cockroach. Yes, <laughs> you got there. Excellent. It was good teamwork. Good job. Good job. All right. Question number two: What Roman festival does Valentine's Day originate from? Do we have multiple choice? <laughs> we nor- I feel like we normally do. Um, this is tricky. Um, like I would. A, I would not have known. Can this. I phone a nerd? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. Like, I think my Valentine the would know of this. Love um, Venus, like a something. Like I that. think you're on the right track. <laughs> uh, 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 Aphrodite? No. Oh no. Yeah, Venus is Roman. Not okay. Okay, I don't know. Roman. Jess, yeah. do you have any good hints for this one? Oh man, yeah. This I realize now. No one could possibly get this. <laughs> <laughs> this should have been the last question. Um, well, this is a hint that won't really help you, but it's funny. So the the day, the Roman day is the one in which women would line up to be spanked by men in order to increase their fertility. That oh is goodness. dirty. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is the, the Roman festival was called Lupercalia. Huh. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm Maybe celebrating a- it later this week. <laughs> yeah, Where are you going? We should all go. Um, yeah, you have to line up outside. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Question number three. One of the first mentions of Valentine's Day was in what Shakespeare's play? Shakespeare play. Sorry. Why are these so hard? I, I should know this. Hint. In Act 4, Scene 5, Ophelia sings. Ham, uh, Hamlet. There you go. Oh, phew. I thought it was going to be a comedy. You, I was about to like say like Mushroom or century. something. Yeah. Okay. Um, she says, tomorrow is St. Valentine's, all in the morning, bedtime, and I am made at your window to be your Valentine. Whatever that means. Lovely. Question number four. Yeah, we'll talk about that later on Dylan's um, radio show. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things to say about Hamlet. Nice callback. <laughs> Question number four. Who made the very first chocolate bar? This is just wrote some hard me. trivia. <laughs> Mr. Mars bar. Good, good guess. Sir Cadbury. It, okay, you're close because this company that made the first Mars bar is now owned by Cadbury. I, I, I'm going to give you that one. <laughs> okay, but what it is the actual answer? Joseph Fry and Sons in 1847. See, I got it. Mm. You, you got, got it. it. Joseph Fry. <laughs> oh, wait, this is a fun one. Last question. Which famous Hitchcock film used chocolate syrup as blood? Psycho? Yes. Wow. I'm just, I'm Anna, fired. you just pulled the whole team for us. I'm sorry. I, just, I was like, it has to be a black and white one. Yep. <laughs> yes. Genius. And I like what Jess wrote here. It brings a new meaning to death by chocolate. Ooh. So true. Give yourself a ding, 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 yeah. Jess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Awesome. Well, you guys won trivia. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks to Hannah. Hannah. <laughs> Go team. Awesome. Okay, well, this has been a blast. Um, I'm going to snack on some more chocolate. Amazing. It's really good. Yeah. And and just a shout out to the resealable package. Woo. I appreciate you it. Gotta, you got to have it. Or you can finish it in one sitting, too. No judgment there. I mean. Yeah, or you could just, like, close it in one sitting and open it again, and it feels like you're breaking it up. And then it doesn't <laughs> yeah. spill on your bed. Probably do, yeah. <laughs> it counts as two servings if you seal it in between. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when you cut your pastry in half. All right, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having this me. This so come fun. back anytime. Excellent. And we should we should put you in touch with Allie Kane on, in the sauce, because that Please would be... Do. I actually have a friend named Allie Kane, so it's funny that you say that. Oh, too. Weird. It's not that one. <laughs> you're about to Shout have Shout out to Allie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much to Jess, our lovely engineer. Thanks, guys. Yay. Uh, thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Kat. We're glad to have you back this week. Yeah, we Kat. really missed you. Aww. Gave you a shout out last week. Thank you so much. She came back for me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I've been in uh, the South and been sick, as you can tell in my voice. But I kind of like this voice. I kind of want to keep this. Uh, I like it. You should just start chain smoking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or no, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to start vaping. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Look out, popcorn lung. Here I come. <laughs> it's All the right. only way to stay young and cool. Totally, totally. Have you seen Cheer? We got to be like Lexi and uh, start vaping. That's, that's the way of the future, people. All right. This has been HR and Happy Hour. We will see you next week. HR and Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.